0: The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48 That you may be sons of your Father in heaven For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good And sends rain on the just and on the unjust Therefore you shall be perfect Just as your Father in heaven is perfect And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. We've noted already that this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to His students. That is, to people that have the virtue of a student of Christ that acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person whom God has sent, so that he can demonstrate Christ to them and his wisdom. Therefore, those people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. According to this, To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out therefore using our our mouth blessings upon the righteous and curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment, to be vigilant over the Word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over His spoken Word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we collaborate with in our heart, that abides within our heart? The purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant which symbolize the resurrection of Christ, so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected, and in this way obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, in order to give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Further, we've noted that the righteousness of faith, making us heirs of the peace of God, is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God, the faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of God and that person who repre- represents a father that is sent to us by God. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that obey the order of God that functions within the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy where God sends us his word using the mouth of his delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by by His delegated ones. First, it is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are the children of God. Second, it is specifically specifically the fruit of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our heart that reveals itself in the covenant of peace that is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because the kind of mind we will have is the kind that we will be. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. How do we place ourselves into Jesus Christ? Paul says, I died for the law, by the law, so that i can live now for not for myself but for the one who died and resurrected i have been crucified with christ it is now not i that lives but christ who lives in me you see in what way jesus is comes into the heart of a man after when he by the law dies for the law he has been crucified with christ Only then, when he dies for his nation, the house of his father, and for his destructive desires, he has been crucified with Christ. And it's now then, Paul says, that not I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And so search your heart. Does Jesus live there or not? Because people think and they've been taught that you repent, you receive salvation freely. That's it. Jesus lives in your heart. How can He live in your heart if you absolutely don't understand and cannot reject evil and choose good? You are attracted by every kind of teaching, every kind of craftiness of men. You listen to anyone and everyone, and you think all are good. I know churches where... They put photographs of the generals of God and the people that this church listens to. Unfortunately, one of our churches that has quietly fallen away from us and died did that and and do that. And so they pray for all of those anointed because they listen to all of them, not understanding, completely not understanding that they have directed themselves to hell. You cannot possibly listen to everybody. God has a principle, you listen to one in a church and others that speak in the same spirit, the body of Christ it has one head. Every individual church has its one head. It's very important. How do you place Jesus into you? When you by the law, die for the law, then you die. You die uh, you die for your denomination. What is denomination? What is uh, it's what controls us? A church is not to, supposed to control you. A house of prayers not to control you. You're supposed to be controlled by your conscience, where you have put the, where you have placed the law of God. That is what you need to be controlled by, not uh, denominations. They sometimes say uh, we're Pentecostals, we're Baptists, and when they say this that this then this is a sect it is dominating them it is their idol because what dominates you is your idol it is what you worship many people instead of worshiping god they worship their denomination their sects god did not want for his church to be a sect he wanted it to be His body, that it be the house of prayer for all nations, for all nations, not just for one sect, not just for Pentecostals, for Baptists, for uh, Baptists, for uh, Orthodox, or whomever else it may be. And so, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. And so, again, those who die by the law, for the law, they've been crucified with Christ, and now it's not them who live, but Christ lives in them. And then the devil will not be able to catch you when you're confident. If if he asks, Christ lives in you, yes, Christ lives in me. Jesus proved anything that the devil would try to tempt him with, He used scripture in all cases. The fruit of righteousness within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the seal of God upon our foreheads. And the seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit, as it is written, to be carnally minded is death. What is this? This is the seal, the mark of the beast. Carnally minded is death. This is the mark of the beast. People say it's going to be some sort of chip. When you think in some sort of chip, you're already very much in error. You are completely uh, in error to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace spiritually minded is the mark of God upon your forehead because the carnal mind is enmity against God it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God Romans 8 6 through 8 and so to be carnally minded is everything that comes from the flesh the inspiration of the flesh if the flesh promotes a person to evangelize to do good works in order to give your body as a sacrifice this means it's coming from the flesh and such a person will inherit hell although they may have given their very body as a sacrifice and gave all their possessions to the poor and preached to the world and did good work and they think that in this way that they're earning the eternal life in this way Eternal life is given to you freely by the grace that is in the redemption of Christ in the seed of salvation that you receive in the format of a guarantee. And to then save your soul, you are called to turn this very seed, this guarantee to profit, so that it may produce fruit to grow in the Eden of your heart the fruit of righteousness and as soon as we receive by faith and we confess thank you Lord thank you that I have received justification freely and now you can perform righteousness and as soon as you've received into your heart by faith the promise the erection of the stronghold of life within your body upon the place where the stronghold of death is existing, that old person, God immediately accounts it to you as righteousness. You immediately perform righteousness because you were born righteous, you were born holy from a holy and righteous God. uh, Unholy and unrighteous unrighteous cannot be born from a holy and righteous God. If someone else is listening to us uh, on the television, remember this. You don't need to earn your justification to be holy, to do something. You are already holy and righteous because you were born from the seed of the Word of Truth. What you need to do is to listen to the information that comes from the Word of God, the preached Word of God, and be obedient to that information and God will account this to you as righteousness.
1: We need to always remember
0: that only by collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind, which is in Christ Jesus, that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person, As Apostle Paul writes, that we be clothed into our new person, because the new person is in God's likeness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the fourth question, by what signs do we need to examine ourselves? (coughs) That we are the sons of peace, which then identifies us as the sons of God or sons. Uh, Sons of peace, sons of God, because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves, that we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5 9. We need to never forget that if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, for the house of his Father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into that format of the fruit of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance and this inheritance of peace so that he can bear within his righteousness fruits of peace. Because A person has not died for these three, the crown of righteousness that is being prepared for him will be taken from him. This crown of righteousness is the fruit of righteousness. God will clothe us and crown us uh, using the fruit of our mouth, upon the condition that it will be the confession of the faith of our heart. This will be our crown. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations three eleven. The crown is the fruit of righteousness that is grown by us in the Eden of our heart from the seed of justification that we receive freely by grace in the redemption of Christ. The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the format of the peace of God is evidence of the fact that we are the sons of peace, which serves as a proper foundation for God to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace, which consists of leading us into the inheritance of His Son so that we can then share with Him, with His Son, the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the Laws, Prophets, and Psalms. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God. And we start to study the seventh sign. And this is the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. And so the confessions of the faith of our heart—you clothe yourself into that selective love of God. You won't feel it physically. You will know it. Selective love of God comes to us by information, by hearing the word of God. You don't need to feel how God loves you or how you love God. God doesn't look at our emotions or uh, determines anything by our emotions. When Peter tried to uh convince Christ saying Lord you know I love you but Jesus telling him tend my sheep if you don't tend my sheep this is you've left your then calling I gave you a calling to take care of my sheep to tend my sheep and you're saying Show, look how you love look how I love you Our sheep are the thoughts of God that we are called to tend to care for these sheep these are the good thoughts of God we receive the thoughts we hear them we receive them and we meditate about them we proclaim them we thank God for them and in this way we then tend them and care for them and we do this at the sheep gate we won't be tending our sheep elsewhere for itself because you will then end up maybe somewhere in the woods when the most beautiful of women, she was commenting on the fact that she was lonely. Why, if she was living uh, and she couldn't find the beloved, she kept, she was seeking him, if you remember within the proverb, uh, and he responded and he told her, my most beautiful of women, if you don't know where the flocks are and the sheep are, Follow in the f- steps of the shepherds follow in the steps of those sh- the, of where follow where they're going and they will be at the tents of the shepherds The love of God is in our right thoughts and not our emotions yes there are spiritual f- feelings emotions but they aren't f- f- again they're not based on physical emotion But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Clothe yourself into information of the preached word, because this is the love of God, agape. God demonstrates His love in His words that He then directs toward us. Clothe yourself into these words, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. To rule in your hearts is a command. It is a command that He is giving, that... Uh, the peace of God rule in your heart. This phrase or the format in which it is stated is is in a military. It's a command that if not fulfilled, the verdict is death. In the time of battle, when a command is given, it needs to immediately be followed. To which also you were called in one body and be thankful, Colossians 3, 14, 15. We are called to this peace. The peace of God cannot be in me, if I do not have a membership to the body of Christ. And so here it's talking about God's love and that it can be in our heart when the peace of God rules there it can't be poured in, out into our heart and we can't be clothed into it if there's no peace there. According to, according to the given place, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the known by a selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into its burning zeal. The love of God its arrows are are fiery arrows and it it is as strong as death as we we've talked about god he has in himself this death in the power of His love. It is in comparison to death. Why? Because it is selective, it's holy. And it cannot love you together with your desires, together with your relatives, together with your nation, together with your house. It wants you to die for your nation, the house of your father, and your destructive way of life, so that it can love you, so that God's peace can be there. It can't love you But people think that it can, and they don't even consider, they read that they need to die for their house, uh, for for their nation, for their life in the flesh, but no one explains how to do that. All of this happens. Uh, I first receive the word, and I say, "Maybe according to your word." And then I begin to confess it, considering myself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of life in my body as existent. I do not base it upon what I'm feeling. I base it upon what I know, and I know in whom I believe. We sing. We're seeing one thing, but we do uh, something very different. Paul says, I know in whom I've believed, and I know and believe that you can keep my guarantee, you can keep that promise to the end comprehending the holy and selective love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect so that we can obtain the ability to shine our sun upon the righteous and the unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and the unrighteous in accordance to the implemented within our heart law of God. To bless the righteous and to pour out the wrath of God on the unrighteous because God has bound Himself to His person and can't do anything without Him. He has made Him sovereign upon this earth and God is now restricted in this manner and everything God wants to do and demonstrate Himself, He needs to do it through this person. A person voluntarily needs to study what God loves and what God hates and what God loves, bless and what God hates, pour out God's wrath upon it. And so, may the tolerant love be removed from the church. It's like a leprosy of sin. In Scripture, the selective love of God is, it is the selective love of God, this holy love, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached words spoken by the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge coming from virtue, uh, self-control that comes from knowledge perseverance that comes from self-control godliness, brotherly kindness and love and all of these coming from the other Second Peter 1 2 through 8 in its essence the love of God Agape is a sovereign love that is unconditional specifically in regards to those persons that she has selected in its ability to foreknow and predestine so it turns out that this is not dependent on God but dependent on us people think that God had beforehand decided who will perish and who will be saved God did not decide that God wanted all people to be saved but when he uh, when it's foreknowing predestining, it's depending on our decision I offer you life and death today blessing and curses choose life he says so that you and your descendants may live and when I choose life how does he know that I chose life? Even the the dusts of the universe haven't existed, didn't exist. God saw us before the creation of it. And He knows that when He offers to me life and curse, blessing and cursing, I will choose life. And he, that's how He foreknew me then and predestined me and being. And now that He had foreknown me, He then predestined me to be conformed to the image of His Son. It's depending on us, not God. And our salvation level of anointing, all is the independence of us. We decide. And God then helps us. He has become our helper in this case. He has become our helper. And that's how He calls Himself, is our helper. And that means that I first fulfill my role, and in this way I give Him the proper grounds He needs to fulfill His role. And so, when we begin to look at the relationship of a husband and wife, then we can't place a husband higher than a wife or a wife higher than the husband. In Jesus Christ, they are the same. And God, He fulfills the role of the helper that the, usually the wife would have to fulfill. In this case, a very interesting—it's uh, interesting in that case, in that in that example. But right now we are not talking about that specifically, because of her. uh, And so, in essence, again, the love of God, agape, is a sovereign love that is unconditional. Because of her sovereignty, the selective love of God will never violate the sovereign rights of its of those people that she has selected. In the Holy Scripture, the level of power of this love, the selective love of God, functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love, is discovered and known exclusively by the level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, and so, and therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. And so, the level, uh, the hatred, level of hatred that he had toward the lawless and those who do hate uh, lawlessness, Christ's level of this hatred was the greatest, which is why he was the sacrifice in this case. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions'. Evil, which demonstrates itself in a person in its hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride, and good, which demonstrates itself in a person in love, which comes from brotherly love, are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness, it's only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable system. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. So that you see, God's love can't be tolerant because if it were tolerant, it would behave equally in the same way toward both. But here it says, Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. In the original, his face is fascinated by the righteous. He, he, He is fascinated by the righteous. He wants to see the face of the righteous and to hear that voice. God says that He will pour out with this rain, but He can't do anything without us. We are that tool by which God will rain these coals upon the wicked. His rain, raining coals His fire and brimstone. We are called to be that tool. His, his mouth, his lips he had vowed himself he had he had made this oath has vowed that he will never do anything without the person a person a man on earth he, to shine his sun upon the righteous unrighteous and rain uh, uh, upon the righteous and unrighteous, but in the way that He desires. Relevant to this, as in the previous components of the virtue of God, in His unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith, in the seven components that we have listed above, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, discovering itself in the heart of man, in the love of God agape, coming from brotherly love, which we are called to to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose in demonstrating our faith is the love of God agape called to fulfill coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? And by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? And so, we determine how God's love is in our behavior, in our words, and so forth. In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate in our faith the love of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love? First condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to demonstrate salt as the fruit of holiness within our faith. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5, 13. This is written actually in all of the Gospels. This is not the only place. The presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in a man because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification. Specifically presenting your body a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God for God's service, uh, for our good service, clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth, and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. For everyone will be seasoned with fire. And, And so when we place our body, we give it as a living sacrifice to God, we place it upon the altar. And so in this fire, when we're upon the altar, we receive this salt, this holiness. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? According to the law, during any offering, you need to uh, sprinkle salt. And don't forget the salt of the covenant. It, it would say that with every offering uh, and, the, and the details of the offering that would be brought. And so this will be a, a covenant and a command for, for your, you and your sons forever to the Levites. The ability to rule over your body, not by the covenant of blood, but covenant of salt holiness. We need to demonstrate holiness, because holiness is within the covenant of salt. Salt is a good thing, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another, Matthew 9 or Mark 9, 50. Although all of the sheep by nature are pure animals... The one that becomes holy, however, is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering. And so when she is separated, when it says separate, that means she's holy, she becomes holy. Before this time if the lamb is not yet separated, it is pure, but it is not holy. And so holy is always pure, but pure is not always holy. And so He purifies us, God purifies us, but and now He's waiting for us to sanctify ourselves. He gave us holiness in the seed. We are holy in the seed, in the guarantee but we are not holy in the moment of our repentance. As we're talking about the fruit of holiness, we receive the guarantee, and and so the fact that we uh, originate from a holy God, and so when we, again, invest this seed, and we grow seeds, from uh, fruit from these seeds, then we become holy for real. We confirm this. In, our, uh, in ourselves. We need to make the conclusion that if our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered, an offering is always a prayer. If it's not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering so it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we then do not have the right to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God
1: and if it
0: is brought upon this altar, then we do have the right to be an intercessor because we offer our body and it's in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And this is voluntary. This, He will not burn your offering, your prayer, without your agreement. If you say one thing, but you don't even think about the fact you die for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your nation, f- uh, and for your personal lives and full life.
1: You
0: choose to uh, people instead choose uh, blessings and other things. Uh, they seek them on earth, but those aren't needed in heaven. They're only needed here on earth, and only for specific things. And we need to understand that these great things can never become uh, upon our list of priorities above the anointer, the giver, and the blesser. And so we cannot have the legitimate status to enter into the temple and to approach God if our offering is not burned upon the altar, it's not placed upon the fire of the Holy Spirit, if we don't understand the prayer words that we're saying, oftentimes people don't understand what what they're saying. Lord, I give you my family, I give you my children. And God says, I don't need your family or your children or your house or your possessions. Why don't you give me your heart? Why have you hidden your heart? Give me your heart. Because as soon as you give me your heart, then in your heart is then also your possession, your children, and everything else, your family. You won't need to separate, separately dedicate them, your house or your possessions. Give me your heart, and all of that is there. And when people don't understand that, I remember in our church, we had a... Uh, it was a, a church i was in that they had got this idea to sanctify everyone and he was inspired to speak of sanctification and those that were helping helping them him lord i dedicate myself my wives or and my children he doesn't understand what he's saying. He doesn't understand how he's giving, he's dedicating them. And where are you? It's a strange. They don't dedicate themselves or give themselves. They dedicate their family members. They leave me alone, but I'll dedicate everything else. I want to be free of you, but take my wife, my children, my possessions, but don't touch my lip, my freedom. I want to be free from the uh, serv- servitude or slavery of righteousness they don't understand what they're saying, again. Holiness is the state of our heart which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by action or acts drawing upon us God's favor. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. If we don't demonstrate the salt of holiness And when we separate ourselves from everything that is unholy, in this way we demonstrate holiness. Demonstrating holiness in prayer is confirming your origin, giving us the proper foundation to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Therefore, the quality of holiness demonstrated in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God, which we demonstrate to God as evidence that we are holy. Because in essence, only those that are holy are able to demonstrate the interests of the holiness of their God, And so, uh, when a person uh, uh, sanctifies themselves, the intention is to dedicate themselves to God. Holiness is, the word holiness, when it comes to us, a child that is born from God, is one who is born from God. One who is born for God, one coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God. And there are many others uh, that we can list here. Therefore, the word holy identifies the inner state of the human heart that is born from God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them that is, uh, flash lightning against our enemy and scatter them, shoot out your arrows and destroy them stretch out your hands from above, rescue me and deliver me from great waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David a servant from the deadly sword. Psalm 144, 5-10. We more than once have noted and paid attention to the fact that our prayer, in the form of a new song, is called to bow down the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God, and the place from which his love is poured out toward us. In scripture, the phrase to bow down the heavens, when it comes down, comes to the relationship of God with man, means God will incline his ear. He will listen attentively to this man. He will turn his eyes to what is good. What is good for this person become a stronghold or a place of refuge to become a covering. Occupy a circle of defense. Make your enemies flee and strike the enemies in order to give god the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that he can pour out his love into our heart it is necessary to present to god arguments of your origin in demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within within the atmosphere of brotherly love as holiness is the demonstration of the fruit of righteousness that is brought by a holy person or a person that is born from God but now having been, s- been set free from sin having become slaves of God having been set free from sin having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life Romans 6:22 until a person is set free from sin, he's a slave of sin. When he is free from sin, he becomes a slave of God. And when, when he becomes a slave of God, then his fruit will be holiness and his end everlasting life. According to this place of scripture, we can conclude that until a person is freed from sin, By casting off the old man, he cannot become a servant of God, so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness. Therefore, to demonstrate the salt of holiness, it is necessary to first be holy. But you do not become holy, you are born holy. You don't become holy by uh, manipulation or some kind of deeds. You are born holy from the imperishable seed of the word of, of God. Therefore, you can only be holy from your beginning or your origin being born from the Holy God. And to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God, it was necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself, or what is it, and how is the characteristic of love, of the love of God and holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price do we need to pay in order to demonstrate the love of God in holiness and, and to collaborate with the holiness of God, and by what signs do we examine ourselves that we have the presence of salt within ourselves, indicating holiness. Specifically, the demonstration of the quality of holiness, identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love, is called to give God the proper foundation He needs to pour out His love into our heart and be a legit field in the relationship of God with man and man with God. In a specific format, we already studied the identification of seven qualities of holiness as it pertains to our relationship with God and with each other. We stopped now to study the purpose of holiness, As we talked about identification, now we study purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and each other. Second question, what purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill within our relationship with God and each other? Studying the purpose of the holiness of God, we will simultaneously be studying in it or with it the purpose of the holiness of man. This is because specifically holiness is called to be the only legitimate field in our our relationship with God and God with us. Therefore, the purpose of salt, which demonstrates itself in the holiness of the love of God, in our relationship with God, as well as in brotherly love, has multiple meanings, is multifaceted, and is multifunctional. Relevant to this, I will bring forth seven components included in the purpose of holiness, identifying the selective love of God, by which we will be able to determine the purpose of holiness in any other specific forms that we... Uh, formats that make up our relationship with God. Considering that we have already studied three of those components of the purpose of holiness, we will continue on the next one, the fourth component. Within the purpose of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another, it is called to provide God the proper foundation to walk amongst his nation or among his camp in order to separate us from foreign nations by the power of his holiness so he can then give us rain in its season so that our ground may yield its fruit and we can eat our bread until we are full and live upon our land safely and in order to achieve this goal we need both sides, God and man where each of the sides is called to fulfill their role that is implemented by God for Himself as well as for the person who has made a covenant of peace with Him. This covenant uh, places responsibility upon man and the responsibility consists in three parts the first part is our camp needs to be holy so that god not find any unclean thing among us and turn away from us second we need to keep the sabbaths of the lord so that in this way we can establish our covenant of peace that we have made with god third we need to re- uh, reverence our god's sanctuary with tithes and offerings according to the demands of the of the statutes Deuteronomy 23 9 through 14 when the army goes out against the enemies, then keep yourself from every wicked thing. If there is any man among you who becomes unclean, when you will go with the army and someone in among you is unclean by some occurrence in the night, when he sleeps and something happens to him, then he shall go outside the camp, he shall not come inside the camp, but it shall be when evening comes, then he shall wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come into the camp. Also you shall have a place outside of the camp, where you may go out, and you shall have an implement, implemented among your equipment, and when you sit down outside, you shall dig with it and turn and cover your refuse for the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give your enemies over to you therefore your camp shall be holy that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you you see what an interesting command has been given to be holy so that God not turn away from us how we need to behave and one additional place of scripture presenting the demands that we need to fulfill so that we can give God the proper foundation to deliver us from our enemies and walk among us and be our God and we his nation. Leviticus 26, 2 through 12. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Rain is given it in its season. Again, and the land shall uh, yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. You will live in your bodies in safety. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give place in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful, multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest And clear out the old. I will walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. The symbol of our camp is our church that we need to not forsake so that we can have the opportunity to cleanse ourselves of all sin and renew our broken relationship with God.
1: And so, again, this is
0: our church to have the opportunity to cleanse ourselves from all sin and renew our broken relationship with God. First requirement so that God not see any unclean thing among you and turn away from you consists in the following if there is any man among you who becomes unclean by some occurrence in the night when he will then he will wash with water out himself with water out of the camp and bury his refuse excrement in this case into the ground so God not see it and turn away from you and so you understand that these excrements can be words. This was talking about literal things, but we're talking here about words. And so, the if you remember, the Pharisees were criticizing the disciples, saying, why are disciples not washing their hands when they're eating? Uh, but he said, anything that comes... Uh, in, in, in a man's mouth is cleansed in the body if anything is there and thrown out but what comes out of the mouth of a person that is what makes him unclean looking at the symbols in the law all that comes from the body of a man is unclean including sweat and other liquids when it says occurrence in the night which we see in the symbols of the law as unclean this is an unexpected discharge of sperm at the time of night, which a person couldn't control. And so when the body of a person begins to produce specific things, and you are able to control yourself, uh, you have this accident that occurs in the night, this discharge as it came from the body. It's an unclean thing then, according to the law. A person needs to go out of the camp and wash his body with water, and only in the evening time can he return. In the law, uh, the discharge of sperm was considered a sin. If a person wanted to approach God, he needed to not uh, be with his wife. When David said, do you have bread? He was telling the priest, but the priest said, I have holy breads, but... And he said, I can give it to you, but you could not have been with, you You needed not be with your wives if I give these to you. It's not a sin to be with your wife, but this was symbolic that anything uh, coming from the body, growing hair and sweat and even a wound and its bleeding, uh, the regulars and a woman, uh, all of these things were considered unclean because it was a discharge of some sort out of the body and so the place where uh, if a woman had her regulars if she sat in a a specific place it was an unclean place for that time so anything coming from the body from the flesh it could be even the the best of kindness and good Uh, this could be sermons song of evangelism whatever it may be but it comes from the flesh It is unclean, God will then turn away from you if you have that. To be cleansed from a similar uncleanness, there was an identified location out of the camp where a person can go to wash their body with water so they can cleanse themselves from that uncleanness. Our words are seeds. These are spoken truth or spoken lies. It all depends on the wellspring from which they come. Our words are the control wheel. They control us as the steering rudder of a ship, which directs the ship against any type of wind. The symbol of refuse, as it says in the scriptures, excrement that needed to be buried into the ground required a shovel-like tool. Is, this is any, from our point of view, good work, but it is inspired by the flesh. The chosen location out of the camp for washing the uncleanness and for bearing refuse is a symbol of Golgotha, where the Son of God was crucified for our sins. That is only in the Church of Saints. This is the place of cleansing. Jesus died out of the camp because he was taken out of the camp, and so he took our uncleanness out of the camp to cleanse us, therefore, from our sins. The second requirement consists in keeping the Sabbaths of the Lord so that we can confirm our covenant of peace that we made with God because of the sacrifice of his Son. To keep the Sabbaths of the Lord is not to light a lamp in your house and not do any work. We know that when God met with man... Man was not to have shoes on his feet. Uh, this person was not to have shoes on his feet. He he would say, "Remove your sandals, as where you where you are is holy, gl- uh, is holy ground." And so he would tell them to remove their shoes. Shoes on the feet is our ability ability to be a light to the world. But when you meet with God, you can't be a light to God in this case. And so the shoes need to be removed. This is what it means to not light a lamp in your house on the Sabbath, because this is a celebration to the, of the Lord. The priests couldn't come into the temple with sandals on. They were barefoot. And not just barefoot, they came in naked. They bathed themselves in the bronze sea. They had to pass through the two bronze uh, pillars naked, Because they would leave their uh, clothing that they came in with, they would cast off their old man with his deeds, they would wash themselves in the bronze sea, naked, and then put on the holy
1: garments. But the feet continued to
0: remain (coughs) bare. And so when they would uh, perform, uh, do, do some sort of offering or, or the, uh, any sort of thing that needed to be done uh, when it came to uh, sacrifices or offerings, they had to walk around barefoot, also in this case. And when the, there were specific offerings also where they needed to wash their feet and their hands. And there was a specific uh, <coughs> sink, as it were, a place, place where they needed to wash uh, their hands and feet. and so not to light a lamp in your house light is our shoes don't come before God with your shoes uh, as symbolically in this case God himself yes he has
1: shoes
0: he has such shoes that are light to us and we shine the same kind of light to the world but he doesn't need it from us and do not do any kind of work because all the work has been done upon the Golgotha cross. God had done everything for us and He died so that anyone who is obedient to Him, to His people, would not perish but have everlasting life. That is what it means. Now you don't need to... Uh, Worry how you need to please Him. You need to look at who God is for you, what He's done for you, and who you are for Him. That's what you need to look at. The third requirement consists in us needing to reverence our God's sanctuary with tithes and offerings according to the demands of His statutes. Fulfilling these three requirements, which are the strict and unchanging law of God, is from our side the fruit of holiness, without which none of us will be able to see the Lord, or inherit salvation. Apostle Paul, identifying the significance of the requirement to demonstrate the salt of holiness as a law and our calling, providing God the proper basis to walk among us, linked this requirement to obedience to the person whom God has placed over us in order to care for His Church. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8 Demonstration of holiness is obedience to the words that are spoken by someone God has placed. And when a person is not obedient to this he thinks that he ha- can have his own opinions then it says god did not call us to uncleanness our own opinions is not is uncleanness if god sees this this is unclean and he will not no longer be walking within your camp within your heart in the list of requirements which includes hallowing god we see a reward that we can look upon or look to so that we can motivate our heart to fulfill our calling. When God demonstrates His holiness, He also shows the reward uh, that you will receive for it. And this calling consists in fulfilling the requirement, giving God the proper basis by the power of His holiness to destroy the stronghold of death within our body within our mortal body and erect the stronghold of life in the form of the resurrection of Christ in its place. God will destroy by the means of holiness, by the means of death that is within this holiness. He will kill our old person, and together with the old person, us also, because we're not separated from him. And that's where we're placed into Christ. When we, in Jesus Christ, by the law, die for the law in his death, Together with the old person, then God erects Jesus Christ from the dead. He 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 takes he draws him out from uh, from death. He resurrects him from the dead, and we then in him are resurrected. We died and resurrect with him, and now without this person, old person, are we resurrected? in order to confirm this discipline within our heart as one of the fundamental commandments without which we will not be able to provide a foundation for the power of the holiness of the Lord to help us fulfill our purpose and our calling I will bring forth a couple of points that will refresh our thinking listen to me you who follow after righteousness you who seek the Lord look to the, to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him for the Lord will comfort Zion as he comforted Abraham and Sarah when all of their possibility to have a child were gone he also will comfort Zion in the same way he he won't comfort people as individually but as Zion as a whole and he will comfort all her waste places he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord joy and gladness will be found in it thanksgiving and the voice of melody Isaiah 51 1 3 and if we do not have a thirst for the water and bread of life that we are able to receive when striving for righteousness we will not be able to look to our genealogy and the rock from which we were hewn who is Christ from whom we are hewn We are given an an example of how Abraham and his wife Sarah looked to the rock whom God made the father of those who believe for all nations. The next example tells us to look at the glory of the Lord in the service of justification. That is called to transform us into that very image from glory to glory as from the the Spirit of the Lord. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction With the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so what is called to transform us in the service of justification, the one who justified us? It is not our works that we have done or what we have accomplished, what kind of achievements we have. Whatever we may have overcome, we need to look to the reward that God gives to us. This is the reward. This is Jesus Christ. He gives him this reward, and we receive it in Jesus Christ. And so he considered this a greater reward than all of the wealth in that was in Egypt. And so what we look at, that is what we transform into. If we look at, at the perfecter and finisher of our faith, then we will be transformed into His image. The next example tells us in the same format to look at that glory of the Lord. We're, we're talking still about the glory of the Lord. In the service of justification, that is to transform us into that very image of glory to glory. We'll read this place of Scripture, Second Corinthians three nine through eighteen. The service of justification and service of condemnation in this case. For if the if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. And so the ministry of condemnation, if you remember, the nation had come to Moses and told him, we're all dying, we're all going to die if we will see the glory of the Lord and come to it, because His glory is killing us. Ask God that He not come to us, not show His glory. You go to Him and speak to Him directly and pass on to us and we will fulfill it so that the glory itself not be shown to us. Today, Christians shout, Lord, show your glory, show your glory. They don't understand what they're asking. If they understood this glory, uh, to see it, uh, you need to first test yourself on the element of salt within your essence, holiness. It's good that God doesn't listen to these foolish prayers, because otherwise these people would be killed. He's killing your prayers, but He's not killing you physically, which is a mercy in this case. This person doesn't have holiness, he doesn't have salt, he doesn't know how to demonstrate it. And that's because he hasn't died for his nation. He has not died for the house of his father or his sinful life. He always has unclean things coming from him. And he's is, if that's not enough, that person becomes arrogant and says, there's no way God will not lead me into salvation. I've done so much for him. Why did God... Uh, give his son and the hands of his son were pierced if God can just look at your hands and what you've done for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels for if what is passing away was glorious what remains is much more glorious therefore since we have such hope we use great boldness of speech and so, if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. In this case, this this glory will be constant and eternal, the the one that remains. And this glory is in God's in in your trust to God. That trust him, that he is our salt, he is our justification, because if you look at yourself, you will not be able to have salt in yourself. You need to look at the one who is your justification, and who died for your sin, and that then you will have salt in yourself. For what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who Moses did not have that boldness. He trusted upon the covering that was on his face because he didn't have the boldness. He didn't have that confidence that he will appear before the nation and this glory will he 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 was a af- he, he was afraid that this glory would kill the people. It wasn't that he wasn't bold with God. He wasn't bold that confident in the fact that the glory that was on his face wouldn't kill the people if they saw it. So he'd cover his face uh, for this reason. And when he would enter into the tabernacle, he would remove that veil or that covering that was on his face. And the glow of his face was God's holiness that allowed him to abide in this cloud of holiness. But the whole nation saw that the cloud was over the tabernacle because when because it was over Moses, wherever Moses would go, the cloud would go as soon as he would go into the tabernacle uh, he did this out of the camp, the tabernacle so that God not destroy the people, that was the intention and so they knew that when the cloud is over the tabernacle that Moses was there and they would then bow out of that area because they know that that's where he is now God wants this glory to be in us so the salt be in us and not separate like it was in the case of Moses and the nation. Paul says, but we... A veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding us as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, and being transformed in the, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Moses was tr- being transformed from image in the same image from glory to glory, because... A covering on the face is our personal head that says, well, I don't understand it like this. And when you don't understand it like this, you have your own opinion and you come to God under this covering, you can't see the glory or be transformed into it. And it's good that it doesn't kill you because you have your own opinion. But the thing is, with your own opinion, not having salt within yourself you can't enter before God's presence. His opinion, Your opinion isn't needed. Uh, Moses removed the veil before God. The next example in the same format is, tells us to remember those who ruled over us, who spoke the word of God to us, and considered their conduct and their end, following their faith. Remember those who ruled over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Hebrews 13, 7. Considering that our time is up today, we right now will bend our knees and our heads, and may the Lord bless us in order to resist any sin, any fear, any illnesses, any unclean thoughts, and come here to the altar so that the Lord God can demonstrate His mercy and remove this sin and this shame. Let us bend our knees, if it's not possible, heads. We wait for you here at the altar. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you because He loves you He loves you with a love that can't be measured or counted and that He has shown in His Son who gave His body out of the camp for our uncleanness for our sin and there out of the camp He cleansed us from sin and in the resurrection of His Son He erected within our heart the stronghold of life close your eyes lift your hands to God this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you I open up my heart you see the wound that has been inflicted by sin I hate those words that has come from my flesh I reject them wash them with your cleansing water I reject anything that is unclean that is within my body the old person with his deeds I pray may the new person be enthroned upon the throne of glory in my body and may my body be clothed into the new person and according to your word I accept your justification into my heart and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored I am justified and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains as the promises of God and the everlasting hills, as His great covenant may be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. The Lord is blessed, who gives time and the opportunity to prepare our bodies for the erection of the stronghold of life and the clothing of our mortal body into the new person that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to give us a guarantee for rapture. Only those people that have accepted that promise into their heart and growed in their heart into the fruit of holiness will be able to demonstrate salt in themselves will be raptured all the rest will remain for the punishment may the god be blessed that has trusted us with his word that we have accepted and that we keep in our heart so we not sin may you be blessed with your children that were born from you. See them, continue to look at them as saved. It doesn't matter where they are, what they're doing. You have the privilege, you and your house will be saved. Comfort your heart and continue to look at what God has done for you